Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 203. Today's topic is Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, Part 5. This program is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. And you can find more of this content by going to theclimatereport.net. So when we left off, we were going through the goals of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, letters A through M. Now we're on letter M, the very last one. Let's talk about the very last goal in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, and then we'll start talking about how this plan is going to pay for itself over 15 years. Now, letter M, the goal is to invest in conservation and public lands to heal our soils, forests, and prairie lands. We will reauthorize and expand the Civilian Conservation Corps and fully fund the Land and Water Conservation Corps to provide good-paying jobs building green infrastructure. So that's what I'm talking about. Are we going to spend a trillion dollars a year to the military, which is just uh, for the purpose of destruction? No disrespect to the people who work in the, in the military, but my friends at the vet, in Veterans for Peace would agree with me. The military is inherently destructive. It's not about defense. It's about offense. It has the effect of destroying people and communities, uh, both at home and abroad. It needs to be seriously curtailed. In my opinion, the military spending needs to be reduced by 90%. And if we do that, then, you know, the, the tragedy is, part of the tragedy is that, I mean, you and I know people that are in the military because they needed a job And also because military recruiters are good at manipulating people into signing up, even though uh, the military is just going to chew you up and spit you out. Not that everybody has a bad experience with it, but, you know, we wouldn't have, there wouldn't be any such thing as a homeless veteran if the military was really in the business of taking care of its own. But it does not take care of its own, especially those that don't fit a certain mold. But the point is that we can provide good-paying jobs for people who are doing good things in the world. We don't have to only provide good-paying jobs for those who want to shoot a gun and blow people up. How many people would rather be a forester than a soldier? How many people would rather be a civil engineer building green infrastructure rather than being a civil engineer or a mechanical, a civil engineer who builds military infrastructure, which is destructive, or a mechanical engineer which builds bombs? I know a young lady who graduated as a mechanical engineer from UK, University of Kentucky School of Engineering, and she went to Huntsville, Alabama, 
which has a lot of defense contractors, and in Huntsville, Alabama, she uses her mechanical engineering degree to build bombs. As if we need more of that, but it's the best job she could find, and I'm sure she doesn't mind doing it, but we need a different mindset, and we need uh, to redirect funds from the military, which destroys lives and communities, into things that build what we need, solar power, wind power, state-of-the-art electric grid, mass transit, building ener- home energy efficiency, commercial building energy efficiency, uh, ecological forestry, ecological sustainable green infrastructure, ecological landscaping. We need, these are, this is what we need. This is what we need to do to address the real threats instead of spending on the military to address fake threats. So let's go to paragraph 8. I have Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal numbered, paragraphs 1 through 160 or so. We're on paragraph 8, and it says, This plan will pay for itself over 15 years. Experts have scored the plan and its economic benefits. We will pay for the massive investment we need to reverse the climate by doing all these things. Uh, Roman numerals 1 through 6. So Roman numeral 1, we will make fossil fuel infrastructure, fossil fuel industry pay for their pollution through litigation, fees, and taxes, and eliminating federal fossil fuel subsidies. So when it comes to subsidies, we spend about six times as much per year subsidizing fossil fuels as we spend on renewable energy, subsidizing renewable energy. This talks about litigation here. So we need to sue fossil fuel companies for the damage that they have caused. We need to sue them for fraud. We need to pass laws that make it easier for cities and states and localities and people to sue fossil fuel companies for the damage that they have caused. They They need to be taxed and regulated and litigated out of business. It says we're going to impose fees. Okay, fees, if, if uh, mining companies and drilling companies were to pay the fair cost of fees uh, for using public lands and public infrastructure, they would be out of business because they, uh, for example, coal mining, you get to do coal mining for a song, something ridiculously low, like $5 an acre, these mining companies and oil companies do not pay the fair value for the mining and drilling that they do. So that's why this paragraph is talking about fees. Also, taxes. We need to tax what we burn before we tax what we earn. Polluter pays. Polluter should pay in the form of fees, taxes, and litigation that will be a major source of funding for the Green New Deal. Paragraph 2. We will generate revenue from the wholesale of energy produced by the regional power marketing authorities. 
revenues will be collected from 2023 to 2035, and after 2035, electricity will be virtually free aside from operations and maintenance costs. So do we want, you know, we have a chance for electricity to be virtually free besides maintenance costs. The system that we have now, why don't the coal companies and the oil companies want to change because they're going to continue making money off of us day by day, week by week, month by month, because under fossil, under the fossil fuel regime, we will never own the source of our energy. But if you own uh, solar panels and if municipalities and states and the federal government own windmills, then we own the source of our electricity. It can be clean, renewable, and after a while, virtually free. Why don't we want that? The answer is we are not running the show. The fossil fuel companies are running the show. We need to get away from using the word we to describe anything that includes us and the people who rule over us in a way that is autocratic, rapacious, and a lot of other bad things. Paragraph 3 on how we will get the money from this, we will scale back military spending on maintaining global oil dependence. In other words, we won't need the, we, there, right now we don't need the uh, military for global oil dependence, but we, we get fooled into thinking that we need the military to protect oil fields and protect the sea lanes. We don't need the military to do any of that, but we're fooled into thinking that. So nobody will be able to fool us into thinking that we have to control the Middle East when we get all of our power from solar and wind. Paragraph 4. We will collect new income tax revenue from the 20 million new jobs created by the plan. Okay, I get the point here. I'm a little bit uncomfortable with it. I think there should be no income taxes for anybody earning $50,000 a year or less. And there should be no Social Security taxes for people earning $50,000 a year or less. Uh, But the point is well taken. We will collect more income taxes from people who have good paying unionized jobs and it's probably good to have that assumption for now even though down the road we should be collecting more of our taxes not from the income of people who earn fifty thousand dollars a year or less we should be collecting it more from the wealth of people who have acquired their wealth through uh the destruction of the world, destruction of or the exploitation of people's agricultural lands, the exploitation of mining and natural resources, the exploitation of labor, uh, the exploitation of people through the um, unconscionable use of military power, including the training. Uh, you know, when we train people in the military, we train death squads in Latin America. I mean, there's people, people that have money, uh, people that have lots and lots and lots and lots of money have earned most of their money through exploitation of people in all its 
forms and they need to be taxed heavily and you know there there should not be any more billionaires after a while there should be no more billionaires and we should also recognize that people don't make uh, people who have $10 million or, or more, they don't need to have that because it gives them too much power and because they use that power for destructive ends. Which brings us to letter, or rather Roman numeral 5. We're going to reduce the need for federal and state safety net spending due to the creation of millions of good-paying unionized jobs. So basically, you know, we should have a safety net, but when people have good-paying unionized jobs, that greatly reduces the need for a safety net. Lastly, Roman numeral six, we are going to make the wealthy and large corporations pay their fair share. So we could talk about what that fair share is. Certainly we need, uh, you know, in, in the New Deal era, corporate taxes and taxes on the very wealthy were, you know, 90%, as high as 90%. So we need to get back to that for several reasons. One, I, I, to, to me, too much money is the power to destroy everything that matters to us. We need to remove the money from those who have the power to destroy others and have historically used their money to destroy others and will continue to do so. Now, let's go to paragraph 9 in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. Uh, it says, The cost of, action, cost of inaction is unacceptable. Economists estimate that if we do not take action, we will lose $34.5 trillion in economic activity by the end of the century, and the, benefits are, and the benefits are enormous. By taking bold and decisive action, we will save $2.9 trillion over 10 years, $21 trillion over 30 years, and $70.4 trillion over 80 years. So I understand the need to talk in terms terms of the dollar value of the economic activity that will be lost. The cost of inaction, the cost of inaction does have a price tag, and I understand the need for that, but I also have a problem with having to put a price tag on everything. But yet, you know, Bernie Sanders is a smart politician, and he's talking in terms that the establishment understands he's talking in terms that we have been indoctrinated in for time immemorial, which is, you know, putting a price tag on something. So, you know, the cost of inaction is enormous. The economic activity that is lost is enormous uh, in terms of, you know, lost agricultural production or, uh, you know, people being sick or um, I really don't know the details of what he's talking about here, but, you know, the co- ultimately, the cost of inaction is that human species goes extinct and not in the distant future. We are not even going to make it through this century uh, without a mass die-off if we don't take action. It, uh, I would 
and it, it is not out of the realm of possibility that we will have mass die-offs in the next decade or two because we're already having lots and lots of people die because of the effects of climate change, whether it's from breathing fumes or breathing or, or having to be exposed to toxic chemicals, whether it's losing your agricultural production because of drought that's caused by climate change, there are already lots and lots of people dying as a result of climate change. And yet, on cable news, you would think that the only threat to the United States is ISIS and Russia and China and Venezuela and Iran and uh, Iraq before we crush them and Syria before we, you know, we're in the process of crushing Syria and, uh, you know, Iran, Iraq, Syria, Libya. These are, I mean, Iraq and Libya are countries that we have crushed in the last 20 years because we, the, for that's another conversation, why we did that. But we have a media system and a system of politicians that thrive when we think that foreign powers and foreign peoples are a threat to us, when in fact the greatest threat to us is right here at home in terms of the greedy people and rapacious corporations that are willing to make lots and lots of money by destroying the lives of other people. That needs to change. Paragraph 10. We cannot accomplish any of these goals without taking on the fossil fuel billionaires whose greed lies at the very heart of the climate crisis. These executives have spent hundreds of millions of dollars protecting their profits at the expense of our future, and they will do whatever it takes to squeeze every last penny out of the earth. Bernie promises to go further than any other presidential candidate in history to end the fossil fuel industry's greed, including by making the industry pay for its pollution and prosecuting it for the damage that it has caused. <laughs> end, of, end of quote. And there's no need to wonder why zero billionaires support Bernie Sanders. None of them support Bernie Sanders because they have, know that they have made their money through uh, through a system that he is going to end. Because for one thing, you know, Bernie says, this is just the rhetoric of a politician, let's keep that in mind, but he's been pretty consistent over the years, and he says he's going to make the industry pay for its pollution and prosecuting it for the damage that it has caused. It would be a different world if we would do two things, if we would implement, if we would implement the principle of polluter pays in the courts and in our tax system, we, we need to tax in such a way that would make polluters pay, and we need to tax, we need to have lawsuits, we need to allow lawsuits that would have the effect of making the polluter pay. 97% of climate scientists believe that climate change is real, it's human-caused, and it needs to be addressed urgently. Now, 
so why aren't the courts allowing fossil fuel companies to be sued for putting us at such great risk? Why are the fossil fuel companies, why are the five biggest fossil fuel companies that collectively uh, made a trillion dollars in profits over the last 10 years, why are they not paying for the crisis that they have caused? There is not a good answer to that. The only good answer is politics and power. Politics and power are the only explanation for why the fossil fuel companies are not paying for the crisis that they have caused. Politics and power are the only explanation for why fossil fuel companies are not paying for the health impact of their pollution and the environmental impact of their pollution. This Green New Deal says that the fossil fuel industry should pay for the damage they cause. Polluter pays. Polluter should pay through taxes. Polluter should pay through regulation. And polluter should pay through litigation. It says the fossil fuel billionaires have spent hundreds of millions of dollars protecting their profits at the expense of our future, and they will do whatever it takes to squeeze every last penny out of the earth. I'm going to leave it at that because that is absolutely true. I mean, the Koch brothers and, and the whoever owns Exxon Mobil, whoever owns Shell Oil, these people are going to continue to destroy the planet uh, to make profits and to accumulate wealth. It is pathological, and it, it, is, it, is, it is mental illness. It is inordinate greed, uh, and it needs to change. It needs to be stopped and we need politicians that have the courage to take on these people. Paragraph 11 in Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. Most importantly, we must build an unprecedented grassroots movement that is powerful enough to take them on and win. Young people, advocates, tribes, cities, and states all over this country have already begun this important work, and we will continue to follow their lead. So this is a politician talking, and it's, it's, he's talking about a proposal that will be enacted into law, or more to the point, a whole series of laws at the federal level, but he's also saying that an unprecedented grassroots movement will be needed. The unprecedented grassroots movement has already begun in the form of young people, advocates, tribes, cities, and states. So I always say on the climate report, we, you know, the, the pillars to activism are educate, organize, agitate. So we need to educate ourselves and others. We need to organize into groups and we need to connect those groups with one another through partnership and through, you know, reporting each other's news, telling about each other's, promoting each other's events. And then we need to agitate. Agitate takes many different forms. Some of it means civil disobedience, but we need to educate, organize, agitate. We need an unprecedented grassroots movement. 
Now, here we come to paragraph 12 in Bernie Sanders' Green, Green New Deal, as I have uh, numbered these paragraphs. If you need my numbered version of this document, then email me and I'll send it to you, info at theclimatereport.net. But it says, number one, we need to transfer our, transform our energy system to 100% renewable energy and create 20 million jobs. I tell you, I've read every Green New Deal there is, and this one is by far the best, although all of them are worth reading. If there's one that's, you know, as good as this, it's the Green Party platform, which is not called a Green New Deal, but the Green Party plat- the Green Party has always been about this same type of environmental justice and social justice economic justice all rolled into one so uh so this but i'm just saying this is a really 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 good statement of what a green new deal should look like so it says we're going to transform our energy system into 100 percent renewable energy and create 20 million jobs and it has letters a b and c under what that means so letter a under creating 20 million jobs by transforming our energy system. Uh, There's no, letter A, there's no reason the United States, the wealthiest country in the world, cannot transform our energy system away from fossil fuels to 100% renewable energy like wind, solar, and geothermal. We have more than enough capacity to produce ample, reliable, affordable, electricity from sustainable resources. We must pass a Green New Deal to achieve 100% sustainable energy for electricity and transportation by no later than 2030 and to fully decarbonize the economy by 2050 at the latest. So it says there's no reason why the United States, the wealthiest country in the history of the world, cannot do this. Now, there are naysayers. I mean, there the people who run the world, the people who control the world, the people who own the world, thrive on scarcity. They need scarcity so they have something to sell you. They need scarcity because they need to uh, scare you by manipulating you by using fear. So one example of that is these wars for oil. We have wars for oil by convincing people to be uh, against Arabs and Muslims and Venezuelan socialists and Cuban socialists. And it's all based in fear, and there is no fear unless there's scarcity. And there is no scarcity where there is abundance. So what we're saying here is that we have an opportunity to create an abundant amount of clean, renewable energy. And if we have that abundance, then we no longer need to manipulate people through false scarcity that leads to fear. Letter B on how we're going to transform our energy system and create 20 million jobs is the federal government electrified America as part of the New Deal. So REA was the Rural Electrification Administration. Um, You know, before the New Deal, the original New Deal in the 1930s under FDR, before that, most people did not have electricity. 
and under the REA, Rural Electrification Administration or Agency, uh, that's how most people got electricity. Guess what? The free market did not deliver electricity to most people. So that's a good topic to discuss. We'll have to pick that up next time. And I have about 30 seconds left. Let me leave you with some thoughts. The main thing that's going to have to occur uh, in order for us to pave the way to a promising future is for us to uh, uh, rethink everything. We're going to have to abandon many of our cherished ideas and ideals for something that is much more common sense. So uh, we're going to have to change who we believe, who we trust. We're going to have to stop trusting what we learn on TV and we're just going to have to rethink everything. More on that next time. Thank you so much for joining me. Any comments, questions, or feedback, email info at theclimatereport.net.